Welcome to the Wimbiz Choose to Challenge podcast, where we chronicle the stories of women across different sectors and how they have chosen to challenge stereotypes, gender bias, and gender inequalities. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wimbiz Choose to Challenge podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Rola K. Akinkugwe-Filani, and I'm the Chief Commercial Officer of Mixta Africa and an Executive Council member of Wimbiz. As your host today, I will be interviewing two inspiring entrepreneurs in the manufacturing sector. First, we have Mrs. Adebola Adefila, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Bandwidth Rolls Nigeria Limited. And we have Mrs. Ekama Akwan, the CEO of Showers Group Limited. So great to have you here with us today, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess as a good way for the audience and listeners to get to know you, can you each please tell us a bit about yourself and your background? And I would love to start with you, Adebola. Oh, thanks for having me once again. Uh, my name is Adebola Adefila, and I run the manufacturing company where we produce tissue papers. My background is mainly business admin. And um, we've got a representation, brand representation um, all over the Federation and a few, you know, um, distributorship in some West African countries. So I'm here. I'm happy to be here. Mrs. Ekama Akban, over to you. Thank you for having me. My name is Mrs. Ekama Akban. And I have actually two businesses in education and in manufacturing. We are doing what they call industrial sewing. So basically it's just tailoring at an uh, at elevated level. I also represent manufacturers in the Smithan board. I have also interest in Wimby's. That's why I'm happy to be made to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much, Mrs. Ekamakman. So ladies, you know, the whole theme of International Women's Day this March 2021 has been about choosing to challenge. So the first thing I want you to tell us is what are some of the stereotypes or norms that you are choosing to challenge in your specific spaces? And I will start with you, Adebola. Can you tell us some of those things that really get you, get you fired up? <laughs> um, I think one of the things that gets me fired up is the fact that we don't have an, enough women in the in um, being um, in the STEM, you know, um, education background, so it kind of affects the um, the people we have on the production floor. So, for instance, you want a mechanical engineer, you have more male than female asking, you know, um, requesting to join your your group for that job. You want a chemical, um, an electrical electronics is mainly dominated by the male as well. So I think the, um, it, it stems from the fact that we have few women going into, into courses that have to, you know, that will afford them that opportunity to be able to join our system in those, in those departments. So that's just one of the things that gets me. So you want a production manager, every one on 101 applications will come as you know, male, you, had, you hardly even find any woman saying, oh, I want to come, come in as a production manager. So that's just one of the things that really, really stands out for me. 
Thank you very much, Adebola. And, and I think that's a very interesting point, which is your pull of recruitment <laughs> is, is oh. scarce when it comes to women. So Mrs. Ekama, um, you run several businesses and you've been at it for a very, very long time. How have you been challenging some of these issues with the gender gap in your sector specifically? Well, you know, I had to go into education because when I started in manufacturing, I found out that not only women, but also men, we had skills challenges. We lack the skills needed for manufacturing. And then you don't have a voice at the level where you can also change policies. So I had to go into education. So what I'm challenging now is telling the younger ones the joy of working for yourself. And then also to realize that the, the times where you have to be looking for oil company, I'm based in Port Harcourt, is over. So the challenge I have now is how to convince people to take the type of education that Adebola just said, that will enable them also work for themselves without necessarily looking for who will employ them. It has been a challenge. So one of them is also getting the people that will give us policies. That's why I had to find my way in, in man Incidentally, it seems I'm the only woman, a man, and it has been there like that for a long time. The, the, the ratio <laughs> is about one to 50. So when I'm talking, wow. you see that I'm walking against the tide. It, it sometimes can be emotionally very challenging. So we yes, have a lot I, of work to go. Yeah. Yes. And I, I can imagine that for the benefit of our listeners, the man she's referring to here is a manufacturer's association of Nigeria. And, she, you know, being the only woman in man. But I want to unpack this whole issue of getting women in technical roles, because manufacturing as a sector has a lot of technical competency requirements. And I just want to hear. So it seems like we have to start at a very early stage, Adebola. Yeah. Are there initiatives that your company, Banrote, is pursuing in order to get more women and girls, young girls, at a very early stage to be attracted into these roles to increase the pool of potential recruits into the industry? So truthfully, no. We're not doing anything at the moment in that angle because, again, you just want to ask yourself, how am I going to do that? How am I going to come to your home and tell you, make sure your daughter reads electrical electronics? So I think it's going to be more of us, Troy, let the narrative go out there that we need girls to be encouraged to go into electrical electronics, um, mechanical engineering, IT, and all of that. Because as a company, as an organization, we actually can't, we, we, or maybe let's say we're not in that space yet to push that as an organization, but it's just going to stem from an early stage, like you said, it has to stem from the home. You know, what encouragement are you giving um, the girl child? I come from a family where um, there was no difference. As long as all you, you all went to school, you all, have, you all have an education, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. So there was, I, growing up, I didn't um, see the difference between being a, um, a, a female child or a male child. It was, you just had to live up to your expectation. It had nothing to do with your gender. So I grew up with that mentality that I could do anything. So I think um, for us to do um, anything in that space, it will actually um, mean we need to start speaking to the parents. We need to start speaking to young people. 
you know, when you have a child and the child has an interest in this area, can you push, you know, for the child to actually develop, you know, the, the necessary um, capacity for, for her to be able to function in that area? I mean, so I think that's, that's, that's mm. what I will be saying, you know, in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, look, education is clearly very important. And Mrs. Ekama, you talked about how you went to into education because you were even trying to solve a problem. But let's probe some of the cultural norms and expectations because exactly. you know what? There's an onus on parents to help in the environment, whether they're raising boys and girls. Can you help us unpack some of these right. cultural see, norms? Um, I mean, I what did you experience? Yeah. Well, it's not what I experienced, but what I saw on ground that made me go into education. Mm. And luckily for me, I, I, I also came from an environment where my parents were not that literate, but I was mentored by people that encouraged me to not to shy away to take you know, the battle to the front. So what I did now was I started with education and then encouraged the girls and give them the confidence to know that they can do better. In fact, I go to young people and I say, what are you doing? Just like somebody mentored me. And when they say, oh, I cannot, I don't like math. I say, no, 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 I don't like math myself, but you know, you have to like it by being analytical and strategic. So my type of education, in fact, that's why my school is one of the tops in A-levels right now in River State is to make the children know that irrespective of the sex, you can do it. Adebola, you know, when you were entering the manufacturing industry, did you have visible role models going into the sector? Um, and if you didn't, do you think perhaps your journey would have been smoother if you did have visible female role models going into manufacturing? You know, what would have been the benefit of having those vis uh, visible role models? And if you did, how exactly did they help smooth your path in this space? <laughs> it's funny that you asked that question. Okay, so yes, I did. Um, I had um, a lady who was my mom's friend. And when we we're going to set up the manufacturing um, company, my mom was like, okay, you know what? I think you need to go to Lola's factory and you need to be there for like six months for intense training and all of that. So there was somebody that I looked up to. There was somebody that actually showed me how to run a factory. I mean, how to, you know, what, what you need in your account department, what you need in the store, your warehouse, your material. I mean, she just showed me the ropes. I remember I had a baby then. I'm like, just had, I just put to bed and my baby was like two months. So I had to leave Abuja to go to Ilori and I was there for six months intense training. And it was, it was, it was, it was eye-opening for me. And I think it made my journey easy because coming into um, now starting off the, the factory, I had a bit of knowledge of what we needed to do. So getting people in, I knew what they needed to start to do. Of course, we got in more experience hands, more experience than I than I was then. And it made but 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 by and large, going through that six-month intense training in another factory in Elori gave me the, you know, the necessary. Um, information and, you know, education, let me say informal education that I needed to, you know, that I needed for, to start off the company. Thank you for that. You know, and I don't want us to miss the point, you know, you talked about having a baby at a critical <laughs> point of your journey yes. in the industry. And I think yes. sometimes maybe society may tend to underestimate 
what it might take for women, given all the various stages they go through in life, motherhood, maybe mm. getting married, or maybe mm -hmm. moving from one educational phase to the other, what it takes to make a successful business or career. And looking at it now, what would you say to employers really in terms of making the environment more conducive for women to thrive in a sector like manufacturing? Or what would you say needs to retain in terms of the working conditions for manufacturing for women who are going through different stages of life? So first of all, I'll say, don't allow the men dominate. Um, I'll give an instance on the, I remember earlier on, on the on our production floor, it was just mainly, it was male dominated, you know, the operators, everything, the supervisors, the production manager. And there was a time I remember going to the, to the factory floor, one of those um, early days. And I was like, why can't these ladies, the ladies were now made to do the um, casual work. And I was like, are you sure we can train these ladies to actually know how to operate the machines? Because here we are, there's some guys that don't even have of the formal education and they're operating the machine. So I believe it's just more of training. And you can be sure the guys kicked you know, against it. They were like, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. The women cannot handle the machine. The machine is too delicate. It's too this, it's too dangerous and all of that. And I was like, let them try. And today we have women operators on our factory floor and operating the machine. Now we have quality control. We have supervisors of shifts because we run two shifts. We have supervisors of shifts who are women and they are actually doing and meeting up, you know, to um, and meeting up to the expectation. So I think it's just giving that opportunity to women and not letting the men kick against it thinking, and you know, they might kick against it just for the, um, just for, they might have a genuine reason thinking, oh, you know what? The women don't know how to do anything, um, do any um, job that will require so much strength and all of that, but give them the chance mm -hmm. and let them, let them prove themselves. Another thing is that for the women who, of course, married women, give them the chance to be able to resume work after three months, get a, maybe have a crash or a baby center in your factory. I have that in my factory. So once you go on maternity leave, you can resume after three months, you can resume after six months, however you want it. But you know that you have a safe, you have a safe place where you can work and still take care of your baby up until the baby is one year. That's our policy in the factory. Yeah. So once the women know that they have that, they can actually, you know, um, maximize their potential. They can actually, you know, allow themselves to really, really express themselves. I, I just say that on the factory floor today, the women on the floor are performing even better than the guys on the floor. That's great. You know, so so it's it's about giving them the opportunity, and that's what we're talking about today: is gender parity, gender yeah. equality. What does it really mean? It's not about saying, "Oh, the woman is stronger than the man." No, it's about equal opportunity to resources, equal opportunity, equal access to um, the jobs that the men also have. Just give them the, let them just prove themselves. So I think that's what yes. I'll be uh, mm. want to leave with any entrepreneur or any manufacturer listening to me today. Thank you so much for those very practical insights. And Mrs. Akwan, I'm going to come back to you. You know, on my previous question, you had mentioned certain skills. You had talked about analytical and strategic competences. And one of the things that is often said to women is that their seemingly soft skills are areas in which they have strengths in. But what would you identify as key skills that women need to thrive specifically in this space over and beyond their technical competencies and which ones have worked specifically for you? 
it has to be the mental and strategic reasoning. You know, we don't think like men most times and women that have done well have been taught to be a little tough in the way they discipline in the way they think. You know, we cannot match the men in the game they play. They have a specific way that we are created differently. But if a woman can use the skills and the way her makeup is, she can also do well. I listened to what Adebola said, and I was trying to tell you that the people who are done well, the women that have done well, you check out their background. It is the parents, especially the mother that give them the type of mental and, you know, strong skills. The, 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 what is happening mostly is that they will convince you that you cannot do it. It's a mental thing. But if there's somebody says you can do it, then you will do it. If somebody says you can do well in this, to really respect you, your mathematics is not something to be ashamed of. You can do it. So the issue of mentoring, especially for the older ones, for the younger ones, is where I choose to challenge. A lot of our women that are now older are not given the chance to ch change the button, tell them how they manage to survive male-dominated uh, environments. The women that are educated do it better. So the issue of education, early marriage should also be where we should be challenging. When you are able to go to university or to master degree, you have less children. And these are the children that will do much better and given the confidence to, to adjust anywhere they are, whether they are male or female. So education so much. Yeah. is very important, yeah. yes. Hmm. Thank you. And, you know, Mrs. Akban, you packed in so much there. You talked about the mental ability, but you also referred to mentoring and, you know, which brings me back to this question of role modeling. And then you packed in there also succession and women helping other women, as well as being open to sharing our stories. And sometimes we find that the women who have been through the struggles and have emerged strong don't always share their stories and insights. So can we just ask you to really just unpack this role modeling thing and this reference to mothers you have made, what role specifically can other women or even other mother figures play in sharing their real, honest, open stories so that other younger women can learn from them? Maybe the reason why some older women don't like talking much about it because they have passed through a lot of humiliation to get where they are. And sometimes the people that actually disparage you or disrespect you are the young, the women. And because they do not understand what you are trying to do. So you are staying in a, a big, uh, a, a place where like a board meeting where you are the only woman and they always already assume that you should be making tea for them. And if you don't want to make tea, they will make some nasty comments. It's, it's a way that some men use to actually make you to feel uncomfortable. But if you tell them, you know, we are created equal, God gave us the same brain, and we're supposed to be useful to everybody, especially in your community, you start from there. Now, let me go back to education for the women. In Iceland, Iceland has given opportunity for women. So government policies is also very important. Our government have not given us the policy to encourage women to reach the zent of their profession. 
as a matter of fact, when it comes to selection, you will tell they will tell you, oh, the woman will be too busy minding the home and will not give time and things like that. Who told you that? A woman has a capacity to do a lot of things better than the men and still do them all, all of them well. So the government policy is because we don't have enough women in the political arena where they can also influence the policy. It's not something you need to fight for. You have to find a way to be dogmatic about it. So in Ireland, you find their economic, uh, they have over the 10 years, be posting the best GPA. Why? Because the men and women are given equal opportunity, maternity rights. They can go to school at any level. When they come back, they can take from, they prefer how many children they want. The government will take care of them. If we have the women started from when they are small to say you can contribute, but not for your family, also for the economy in general, that confidence will come. We can yes. also stay to them. The issue of saying that women cannot do mathematics is a fallacy because I know so. My, I personally have a lot of children that are now mechanical. Uh, the best students we had is working in, in London, uh, the British Petroleum. She had the best results in Kumasi. And I was, I was very happy when she went in and broke all the records in everywhere she went, including Imperial College. She's a woman. So it all depends on what you tell a child. And that's why now I'm giving back. I'm challenging all the older women to say, okay, forget about your heart. Forget about some of them lost their marriage because they will say to the husband, what sort of a wife do you have? She cannot mind her business and just stay in the kitchen. The men, you, the women also are educated to know the man you should marry should be the one that can encourage you because he will not be in the position she is today if the husband was a bigot. She has a, uh, the father that encourages her, the husband is encouraging her. So the choice of their husband is something we should also teach our girl children. Indeed. I hope that makes Indeed. sense. <laughs> I hope it makes it, sense. It makes, I'm and saying. in fact, you're, you're delving into so many areas and you know, I've been taking notes frantically, but I want to <laughs> pick on an issue which I don't want us to miss. This whole issue of intergenerational dialogue between the older women and the younger women. And Adebola, I really, really want your perspective on this, right? Because Mrs. Akban talked about the fact that's why some older women may be reluctant to share about their journeys. Are there things that perhaps women in your generation could also do to reach out so that you can glean from the experiences of women? Uh, in the older generation as we move to close this gender gap and inequality gap? Um, truth be told, the younger women need the wisdom of the old, whether we like it or not. Even if we're going to bring the innovation of the young, we need to merge it together. We need the wisdom of the old. I mean, I, I had an older woman take me through this intense you know, training for six months um, so I, I, I believe that our generation, my generation of women should come from, and we, we, we must learn to come from a place of, um, we must learn to come from a place of learning. Because what I find is that most of the time, um, we come in from this place of, oh, I'm doing this, I'm, so I'm doing manufacturing, so I want to just um, tell you what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. And from, a, from, a, from afar, the older woman can see that this one is not going to be ready to learn. So we need to come from the young, the younger generation need to come from a place of learning, like I want to learn. I have mentors who are men, who are women 
in their 70s and their 80s that have been in the manufacturing sector for over 40 years. And I have, I, I, I even have competitors that I relate with that have been in, the, um, in my own industry over 30 years. I've just been in it for 14 years. So I have, men, I have people that I, I, I relate with all of them. You know, don't, you have to learn for us to be able to, for you to be able to do, you know, for you to be able to make success out of whatever it is that you're doing. You need people that have gone ahead of you, that have fallen, that have, you know, you know, fall into the pitfalls and they'll be the one to show, you know, you don't do this. Absolutely. Or you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to fall into this because I fell into it as well. So I, I think it's, it's for the younger generation to know that, yes, you guys are fantastic with your innovation, with your new ideas, with your energy, but we need to fuse the energy of the young, the innovation of the young, and fuse it together with the wisdom from the old. So we need the older women, and we need to come from a place of learning. We need to submit ourselves and yes. humble ourselves under their, under their feet, you know, to learn from them. Yeah, great, great point. And I want to talk a bit about this issue of Two issues, actually, representation and succession. Let me start with the succession issue. There are a lot of family businesses in the manufacturing space here in Nigeria, across Africa, across the world, where they've built businesses from scratch in their garages. They build them into multi-million, billion naira businesses. And many generations of founders look to hand over those businesses to their kids. And historically, a lot of those founders may be looking to hand over to their male children. But as we have more and more women coming through in the STEM competencies, coming through as leaders and founders, what can we be doing with regards to succession planning to make sure that for family business, daughters are just as valued as leaders who will carry companies well into the future and assure sustainability. Um, and I'm going to start and ask Adebola, I quickly answer that very briefly and I'll go over to Mrs. Akban. Fantastic question, Rolake, fantastic. Um, so let me start with myself. What I do is during holidays, when we can, um, if, if, if we're not traveling, I take my girls to the factory. This was something I learned right from when I was young. My mom has always been a businesswoman. And she will make every trip a business trip where, you know, you're looking forward to having fun and you end up just sitting in, in companies and organizations looking, <laughs> feeling so bored and watching her just run her business. And, but, you know, unconsciously, the seed of, you know, business and entrepreneurship was being dropped inside of me. While I was busy foaming and being bored that my, I'm not enjoying my trips or I'm not enjoying my summer holiday, but I was learning and I could see business all around me. And all I could think of was if I grew up, I was going to run business. So I think it's actually knowing the fact that succession is not, uh, it's not an event, it's a journey. So you need, how do you now get to that stage where you are able to hand over to the child? It's for you to, I'll call it almost, for lack of a better word, brainwashing the child, brainwashing the child, knowing, you know what, you see me on my day-to-day -day activities, talk about the business. You know, what I find in Africa is that uh, I think maybe in Nigeria, especially most of the time we grew up with, um, with, so, with this mentality of not letting the child know um, the good side of the business as well. So parents in the bit of not wanting the child to be too attracted to money making, 
you tell the you only tell the child the bad part of the business. So the child is not interested. If you only come in to moan and complain about how terrible it is, how about the days when it is good? Do you also inform the child to let the child know, oh, you know what, business was good today. I got this deal. I got that deal. You know, so making them, you know, taking them through the journey, making them aware and, you know, getting them familiar with the ground. So for instance, my two daughters, there are days when they go to the account department, they work in the account department if they're on holiday. There are days when um, it's a, it's a factory today. They pack, they, they, they join the casual workers, they look at the operators. So they just get familiar. So I'm not saying you must do this business when you grow up, but see it as an option, you know, for you to come to. Absolutely. So I think it's just taking, taking the child through that journey yeah. and, you know, with the intention of this is where we're getting to um, and, and just being deliberate about it. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not an event. It's a journey. Succession is a journey. Thank you. Succession is a journey. Mrs. Akban, what has yes, been your experience please. with succession planning and how would you advise um, founders and entrepreneurs, owners of businesses to really position their daughters for handover if they choose to position it as a family business? Well, my mother was a businesswoman. She was a tailor. And by the time she died, she handed over her machines to me. You'll also be able to know that not everybody can be a business in that manufacturing business or even be entrepreneur. So you'll be able to be strategic. I like the word Alola said about being deliberate. So you'll be able to know which of the children that you'll be able to groom. And groom is, grooming is not a one day thing. It's, they say teach a child the way he will go. The ones that are able to show that interest, you'll be able to make them work with you. Now, thank, luckily, my daughter is doing exactly what I'm doing now in terms of education and the other business. So what I did was I separated them according to their strengths into the various business. Those who have that may have like an artistic um, input in them, I say, okay, you go to the tailoring. And every day we're talking about business in various forms. Unfortunately for us, most of the, because of the way Nigeria is, the pride in owning a business is dying. It's really dying. But if you are a bit strategic about it, like I said, none of my, all my children will go into MBA. Because even if you are, you know, uh, a doctor, somebody will manage your business. So I'm a little not worried about where they can go with their skills, as far as they understand that there's no profession that does not have a business path. So this is what I've done. Make sure that some of them go into those businesses and get the skills through the education like MBA. It has helped me. Fantastic. And of course, there's nothing like building competency around business administration. So I, you know, looking at your sector broadly, you know, we often get these metrics that always come out, uh, various indexes, uh, the manufacturer, the manufacturer's index is one of those ones that we always hear. And clearly manufacturing is so strategic and key to economic growth. And we also know that half of your population, which here in Nigeria is women and pretty much across the continent is also key to economic growth. What policies, really practical policies would you like to see in the coming months and years that you think will help promote female participation in the manufacturing industry? Mrs. Akban, can you perhaps initially yeah, give us some I, I, of your thoughts? Yeah, I want to tell you that the economy right now is actually being held by the women. 
because almost 70% of those small businesses by women in informal sector are the world ones holding us. Right now, 80 something percent are small businesses. So the era of big businesses are over. The concentration should be on women in business, especially in two areas identified. One of them is in agriculture. The issue of agriculture is because it's a big playing field. You can absorb a lot of people. Then the other knowledge you need is in packaging, which the younger ones are very good at, packaging, e-commerce, and all the rest. If we don't mop up 50% of the women in business, Nigeria will be losing 50% of the input of women to our GDP. Right now, we are trying to fight. I mean, we are, from 1st of January, we are going to open our market. So we have opened our market to the African continental trade uh, free trade zone. You are going to see a lot of dumping. If the government is still being myopic and not encourage women to formalize their businesses, you will see everything will be dumped in Nigeria and it will cause more unemployment. So we need to be strategic now to pressurize. Wimbish must pressurize the government to increase formal participation of women in small businesses so that they do not neglect that 40% that would have increased our GPA because those women are very hardworking. All they need is somebody to help them to be able to sell their goods. The younger ones are very good in marketing. What stops you from forming your business, buying up some of these products, package it, and then sell them to the other countries? We are waiting to see how this will come out. But it's a long shot. We, we, it's about time we start doing something, and it's at the end. If the men will just listen to what we are saying, you will see that it will help the economy. Thank you very much for those wonderful insights. You know, I like your reference to agriculture and specifically packaging and e-commerce, as well as the Africa Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, which I think will help drive growth in this space. And I, I hope to see more women take an active participation in that. Atibola, I'm going to come back to you on a question about representation. You know, one of the global phenomenons and trends that we've seen is that when a woman achieves a feat and reaches high office, say, for instance, Ngozi Okonjo-Iwela, the Director General of the World Trade Organization, there's a huge burden of expectation, which we don't often see with, with men. Right, that woman almost represents woman for <laughs> women folk <laughs> around the world. And then yeah. when the woman in such a high position then makes a mistake, that mistake tends to be attributed also to all women folk. Men don't have that same collective burden of representation. They tend to be seen more as individuals. And, and you know, it's a phenomenon that I'm seeing time and time again. So this question of a woman has broken the glass ceiling she had better do well, because if not, it's going to affect all the other women. <laughs> what do you have to say to that? Is that a fair assessment? And if it's not, what would you say to women who are reaching the top and what they should do for women folk as a whole? Um, I think it's a funny one, um, but I think it's not a fair, it's not a fair um, analysis for, it's not a fair judgment for the woman who has gotten to the top. So I will, I will say that for the woman who is at the top, can she pull up other women? That I can't remember if it was um, the first lady of Egiti State now, who, who gave an illustration and she said something about rapper, where she mentioned, 
you get you you you've you've succeeded in this space. You hold your rubber. You find a way of getting that rapper tied to another woman, and that woman also succeeds in whatever she's doing, and she uses her rapper to cover another woman, where it becomes like you know a circle of strong women. But I think is those mm. at the top should pull up the ones coming, and the one and I think the ones also aspiring you know, and trying to be or wanting to be pulled up should also put themselves in a place of learning and also be read, be readily available to learn and be allowed to be pulled up. Um, for, we, we, no, but no human being is perfect. We should learn to also forgive easily, forgive ourselves easily, accommodate ourselves easily, support ourselves. You know how it is where um, growing up, they will tell you that um, I can beat you inside, but when I go out, I'll be all supportive of you, even if you did this, or even if you did something wrong. So I think it's finding that um, ground where the woman on top pulls other women to come up. Um, let's, let, let, me, let me use um, my, my own situation as an example. So um, in the, we, have, we have more, we have funny, you know, we have more women now in the factory than the men. And what I did was to let the other women know that come, the men don't give lame excuses. You can't afford to give lame excuses. So you have, to, if you want to get to this stage, if you want to be here, you have to have so 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 capacity. You have to deploy um, this kind of strategy so that you'll be able. I can I can defend you. I can defend the position that I'm saying you should come into. You know, as a woman. So I think it's just letting that woman on at the top is it's actually it's even more responsibility for the woman at the top now to pull other women to employ other women to um get other women to be in positions that will you know that can allow her also have her own support system so to speak not having just one single woman there and you have 10 men are all around her and they are the ones you know um they are the ones even they're the first to pull her down when any anything happens so i think it's just that 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 will that will be my suggestion to for the woman on top to pull other women up thank you so much and and i want to probe deeper this issue about women amplifying each other's voices mrs akban i, I want you to fill this question about how women can really truly look out for other women and amplify their voices even when they are the ones who are successful at the top um it takes some level of um understanding and then being not being selfish you know some women are actually very egoistic they just want to be the cock the only cock that is growing there but if we have understanding that that you need to make it one tree can make a forest it will help like i said before you know to get ngozi in that position she has some very strong backing by fellow women they didn't come out but they were there and for us to be able to just forget about our own situation. And when a woman is there, understand that her success is our success. It will help. It's, it's actually a, a, a change in our mental reasoning. You find that most times the women that are pulling you down, more women are pulling you down than men. So for me to be made the vice president of Manufacturer Association, I believe is the first, was where the men, not the women. And they didn't look at me like a, a woman. They saw me as somebody who had the mental image to know what to do to be able to bring the values back 
to man. Because men understand that women who are occupying very top position actually give more value. And when they see such women, such men will promote them. They will not care whether you're a woman or not. So I like what Adela was saying. You know, most women at the top of their you know, career are also known to be very, very hard. So it's about how we sometimes mellow. A woman should be intolerant of excuses by a woman. Oh, she's on menses. Oh, she has to go this. Oh, my child is this. No, 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 no. You cannot. You find a way to help them like she did, providing where they can go and have their children keep up. Because a woman, actually, they have a nurturing. They have been built for nurturing. So if you look at all those uh, needs and you're able to make allowances, but not too much, because men don't have, they don't have time for weak men. They look out for men that will, that will be able to pull in the onions onto the table. So if we try to think like that, that is the way you can do it. But it's not something you start when they're old. You start from when they're young. Don't make excuses for them. Okay, you didn't pass. Well, no problem. Go fail, come up again. Recently, I had to talk to some young girls and I asked them, how many of you are carrying first in your classes? Half, in fact, <laughs> three quarter we are carrying first. But you see, those of them carrying first, <laughs> by, by the time they will get to university, we start losing the zeal. So I told them, I say, you know, you, are, you, you should carry first, but apologize to your male folks to say, look, let's occupy that position until you are ready to come and take over that first position. Then you Fantastic. can get it. So you, you, need to use, <laughs> you need to use some level of wisdom when you are dealing with this because a man is actually cut out to be aggressive so for you to deal with them you should also know how to be strategic thank you absolutely i love i love that <laughs> men cut out to be aggressive but women need to be strategic i really love that yes. i had so many so many sound bites from both of you today but we're entering the last few minutes and I, and i have one very last question i want both of you to help answer is to just quickly let me know which women have really come to your mind this international women's day period as women of inspiration, whether in your sector or outside your sector, but specifically maybe speaking to your sector very, very briefly. Um, and then finally, what are you each going to commit to choose to challenge? Just one thing. So women who have been a source of inspiration and phenomenal in your sector and what each of you are going to commit to choose to challenge. I will start with you Adebola in one minute. <laughs> Okay, um, I'll say Mrs. Lola um, Olobayo of Doing Group. She's also in the manufacturing industry and she runs a family business as well. And Mrs. Bukwara Wushika, of course. Um, she's also in manufacturing and they, 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 they both <laughs> inspire me a lot. Fantastic. Um, and what are you choosing to challenge? So I choose to challenge early child marriage. Because um, I want to see children, I want to see kids, um, girls go into school, finish their degree, get a master's, get all the knowledge they want to um, get, get, be complete, you know, in who they are before getting into um, relationships or getting into um, marriage. So I choose to challenge early girl marriage. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Adebola Defila. And to you, Mrs. Ekama Akman, who are the yeah. phenomenal inspirational women within your sector and what are you choosing to challenge? We have Stella Okoli. I'm not sure a lot of, of late, you have not heard of Stella, but she has 
put some pressure on the pharmaceutical industry. In fact, a lot of the men in man are afraid of her. So she, <laughs> she single-handedly turned around the manufacturing and then made the prices to go down. So that today you see mm. that all the, uh, you, she can, you can see her products everywhere. Awasika also, because she is so calm, I don't believe she even quarrels in her life. You know, we women, when we are talking, we become very emotional. When I watch, when I watch her talk and I said, oh, Lord, I wish I'm a little, you know, calm in what I'm doing. Because of the way she has managed herself, a lot of girls are now aspiring to go into, you know, the areas where she, she's doing very well. That's uh, that's one. Then Those are your inspirational women. My inspiration is actually to give back to the young ones and start to challenge them to make use of their talent and whatever their strength, irrespective of whether it's a science or art, but take it to the next level until they reach the best of their profession. Anywhere you are, Fantastic. as far as you're able to follow your dreams, it can be something that can bring some level of applause to you. Thank you so much. So Adebola Adefila is choosing to challenge early child marriage. Mrs. Ekama Akban is choosing to challenge young women to make use of their talents. That's all we have time for. And these women have been so wonderful. And they've given me two quotes. Adebola's quote is, succession is a journey. Mrs. Akman has said, don't be the only cock crowing there. This is a clarion call to all the women. Thank you so much. Adebola Adefila, the CEO of Banwood Rolls, and Mrs. Ekama Akwan of Showers Guest. Thank you for sharing insightful nuggets with us. Ladies, make sure to look out for the next episode. And until then, keep choosing to challenge gender inequality. Bye for now. We hope that this episode has inspired you to be a champion of gender equity within your space and sector. Please join the campaign by sharing this podcast link within your network and on your social media platforms. See you on the next episode. Let's choose to challenge.